listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We welcome in the aforementioned Christian Whitfield, who is uh, does a phenomenal job covering the Brooklyn Nets and all things NBA for the Daily News. Um, Christian, welcome to the show. That, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. I, I, I enjoy your work. So, Christian, <laughs> what is going on with Brooklyn and all these COVID-19 pandemic casualties? You know, it's it's a tough – it's really – Brooklyn, the Nets just drew a, a very tough hand this time around. Uh, you've got – man, it's looking like the players that are sitting out could sweep the players that are actually going to Orlando in a seven-game series right now. But I think you, we're seeing Brooklyn look like just what the worst-case scenario could look like uh, in this entire COVID-19 pandemic. We've seen – now we've got DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince all sitting out uh, because of the coronavirus designation. And on top of that, you've got Wilson Chandler uh, sitting out because he's fearful of, of spreading it to his family, not to mention Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Uh, they just happen to be out basically the entire season with various injuries. Uh, it's tough right now in Brooklyn. Some of the players felt that they shouldn't have had to come back to New York. Uh, they wanted to go straight to the Orlando bubble and quarantine there. That didn't end up being the, the course that the Nets were able to take. And uh, now some of them are, as we're seeing, we're seeing some of them sit out. And the Nets are going to be uh, shorthanded isn't even the word. They're bare bones right now, and they're going to be forced to pick up some guys that uh, maybe were sitting on their couch for a lot of the season now, and they're going to be having to get in shape. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Nets to really compete uh, for uh, anything higher than the eighth seed in the East. But they're going to try. And uh, I'm not sure how far that's going to get them. Now, Christian, here's the interesting thing. You know, and and I hear what you're saying. A lot of the net players wanted to go to Florida. But now when you see what's going on in Florida, maybe they were better off coming back to New York. Right. I think any way you look at it, it it was inevitable uh, for this situation to happen. If you go into Orlando now, you see you you just talked about the numbers in Florida are spiking. The numbers all over the place are spiking. It's it's a a tough time in this country, really in the world. And uh, as we can see, we're seeing pro leagues scramble and try to salvage what's left of it. You know, there's still the conversation of is this the morally right thing to do, sending players to play basketball in the middle of what could be one of the most dangerous times in our history. But at the same time, you've got players who are signing up and saying, hey, I want to go play. I want to compete. I want to try to win. Um, and, and obviously they want to take advantage of the platform they're going to have in Orlando, given everything that's going on in the country. So uh, I tip my hat to the guys that are going down there. I tip my hat to the guys that aren't going down there. And uh, we're going to see just how much of a season we can, we can accomplish in these next couple months. Christian, what's the realistic situation here now for Jacques Vaughn? Um, oh, he, he, here's a coach now who is trying to put himself in position to be take the interim tag off his name. And now you've got a spot where, you know, how is he going to be evaluated? Is, is this a scenario where is, does he have the opportunity to be the head coach next year? What, what's this evaluation going to do? Uh, you know, I think his odds at retaining the coaching job this year, uh, well, next year moving forward, are basically the same as his odds when he first took the job over for Kenny Atkinson, which are not high okay. uh, at all. Love Jacques Vaughn. You know, I think he's a quality guy. Uh, if he did retain that coaching job, he'd be the eighth uh, black NBA head coach in the league, and I think that would send a message. But on top of that, 
Um, he's, I know Sean Marks is saying that, that Jacques Vaughn is not going to be judged on wins and losses in the Orlando bubble, but I just find that tough to believe. It's going to be tough. He, just like the Nets, he's drawing just a pretty terrible hand. He's going without half his roster. Um, he's had all these only coached two games of this entire season. Both of them were wins. He got the Bulls. And then most impressive of all, they, he coaches a, a Nets team against the Lakers, gets a win on a Spencer Diddy, Dinwiddie game winner. Uh, amazing win there. But it's just going to be very, very tough for him to make something out of nothing. Right now, you've got Karis LeVert, who right now, if he's not scoring 50 points, the Nets are going to need him to score 49 a game uh, in order to win. Um, it's going to be tough. What do we need to see from Jacques Vaughn? We need to see this team compete. We need to see this team scrap. We need to see the Nets not get blown out in every game. Uh, we need to see the Nets hold on to their standing as a playoff team. Uh, the Wizards don't have Bradley Beal or Davis Bertans, if they lose in a series to the Wizards, if they if they have to get into a play-in tournament and lose to the Woods with no Bradley Beal and no Davis Bertans, that's a that's that's a death sentence for him right there. Um, but I think that in terms of evaluating Jacques Vaughn, what can you do with this team? Can you put Karis LeVert in positions for him to succeed? Can you put him in pick and roll situations? Can you maximize Jared Allen's talents. Remember, Jared Allen's a guy who has got relegated to the bench in favor of DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan's not going to Orlando anymore. What can you get out of him? What can we see from the young guys? You've got Chris Chioza, who, who, who was balling out at the end of the season. You've got John and Musa and Rodion's cool rooks, two guys who were afterthoughts. Can you maximize them? I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, we're going to have to see out of Jacques Vaughn if he wants a chance at retaining his, his title. But at the end of the day, this is a Nets team that is changing from player development to championship contention mode. Jacques Vaughn obviously has some championship pedigree, having won a championship in San Antonio and also being part of another championship Utah Jazz team that made the finals and lost. Uh, it's going to be tough, but I, I think that in this scenario, we're looking at what do Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving want in a head coach, and that's something that we don't know. These guys have been notoriously tight-lipped. Uh, we haven't even had access to, to Kevin Durant, let alone Kyrie, all season. So it, it's an uphill battle for Jacques Vaughn to retain this job, but there's no brighter stage for him to do so than an Orlando bubble where all eyes are going to be on what he's able to do with this shorthanded Nets team. Christian Winfield's my guest. This is Larry Harsting in for Chris Carlin on Carlin on 98.7 ESPN. Christian, let me ask you, what, in your opinion, in covering this team every day, what happened with Kenny Atkinson? I mean, this was, he did, I thought, a phenomenal job last year with D'Angelo Russell. These guys seem to want to be together. They seem to want to play for each other. They gave the Sixers all they could handle. And with, you know, I still believe if Ed Davis hadn't got hurt, they might have given them even more of an issue because of the physical nature of Davis and being able to help them off the boards. So I was looking forward to the addition of Kyrie Irving this year, upgrading yourself at the point guard spot, and a guy who's, listen, arguably, you know what Kyrie can do. He's a tremendous player. What happened Absolutely. with, with uh, Atkinson this season? It's hard for me to say that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, hey, we don't want Kenny Atkinson to be our head coach. Get him out of here. And that's what happened. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I do think, however, that it, it's more so an understanding. You know, this is a team that is shifting in the blink of an eye from a team that is a, a playoff contender to a team that's about to be a championship contender. And, and at the end of the day, they need that type of head coach who has that pedigree. And do I wish Kenny Atkinson had the opportunity to showcase that he was the man for the job? Absolutely. This is a guy who ended up leaving the team before he even got a chance to coach Kevin Durant, only got Kyrie Irving for 20 games. Who knows what happens if he gets a full season. But if, it just, and if you get a sense of talking to guys and just understanding what's going on, uh, 
Kenny Atkinson is a guy who who was more so focused on player development. And at this point in, in the next life cycle, there's no time to develop anymore. This is a team that wants to win and wants to win now. And they're trying to figure out who fits into that puzzle. And I thought at the beginning of the season that Kenny Atkinson was going to be the guy who's going to coach this team to a championship. And apparently it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, Sean Marks came out and said in the conference call not too long ago that he's going to take Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's word and their input in the next in the next head coaching search. And uh, that leads me to believe that they had something to do. Either, either They may not have had Kenny Atkinson ousted, but they very well could have saved him if that was the guy that they wanted. And it's just very interesting to see Kevin Durant praise Kenny Atkinson at the beginning of the season, say he looked at the offense that he ran, he fell in love with him. That was one of the reasons for him coming to Brooklyn. And then just to have him so suddenly dismissed in the middle of the season, it was shocking. But they must have something up their sleeve. They must have a guy in mind for who they want. And at this point in time, man, the, the Nets have committed over $300 million to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving over the next few seasons. If, they, if they're committing that much money, they're turning the keys to the kingdom over to those guys. So they're going to follow their stars, and the stars, are gonna, the stars have aligned in Brooklyn. So if they know the guy they want to coach, they're going to go get him. Well, Christian Winfield, we're just hearing that uh, Jamal Crawford has been signed to the Brooklyn Nets. And oh, wow. having been watching him throughout his career, having covered him when he was with the Knicks years ago, uh, this is a young man who can put the ball in the basket. This is a young man who can give you some offensive firepower. The question is, at his age now, is he able to give you what you need to help push you and keep you in that seventh spot, Chris? Because you don't want to be in the eighth spot and face Milwaukee. You don't want to be in that eighth spot and face Milwaukee. That's a four-game sweep waiting to happen. Surprise, Jamal Crawford chose the Nets out of any team to sign with, given that they have as far of a chance at making it out of the first round, let alone the NBA Finals, as any other team. But, I mean, when you think about Jamal Crawford, what do you think? You think about a guy who can score the Nets as currently constructed before this signing or a team that would struggle to get 90 points a game. Now you're getting Jamal Crawford. We don't know what type of shape he's in, even though we've seen the videos of him online. He's a guy who can put the ball in the basket, you know, and uh, that's what they need. Uh, this is a, it's an interesting sign. I wasn't sure that they were, that the Nets or Jamal Crawford was going to go this route, given other contenders that also have roster spots open. But this is an opportunity for Jamal Crawford to prove that he's still got something in the tank. He hasn't been in the NBA all season. Uh, and this is a team that needs as much firepower as it can get. Now, what is he going to give you on the other end of the floor? That's my concern. Those are two concerns with Jamal Crawford defense and efficiency we've seen both of them taper off towards the latter end of his career but he's an amazing player to watch love his game and uh, the Nets need scoring and that's one thing he can do in his sleep Christian I know from time to time you also parachute in and cover the Knicks uh, what are your thoughts as to what they may do coaching wise I mean it is crazy there's 11 12 13 possible candidates to take over this this Nick team uh, what, what is what is your reporting telling you you know, it's interesting. If you would have asked me a few months ago, maybe, while at the time that Kenny Atkinson became available, I would have said he's the guy for the job, right? Kenny Atkinson is the guy who's going to develop players. We've seen his track record of doing so. But we're not sure what path the Knicks want to take right now. We don't know if they want to actually build through the draft or if they're trying to make a splash in a trade market. We don't know what exactly it is they want to do. 
So at this point, I, I, I am leaning towards them signing a guy like maybe Tom Thibodeau, maybe someone who's going to maximize everything that you're getting out of these guys who's going to teach them the value of playing hard every single game. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm, I have no idea where they're going with this next head coach. Uh, I think aside from the head coach, they need to make sure they get this draft pick right. They need to make sure they're drafting their point guard of their future if they're not trading for one. And uh, from what I've seen, from what I've heard about Leon Rose and the way people are talking about him, and just from the way he's taking his time through this process, I think that he might be on to something here. I think he's doing a phenomenal job just in the little bit of time that he's been in charge. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens over there. It's, it's looking like, like things might finally be shaking out correctly over at Madison Square Garden. God, I hope so as a Knicks fan. I'm tired of watching them the way they are. Uh, I, I really do. I would like to see some encouraging things over there. Let me ask you this, Christian. Um, what do you foresee in Orlando? How do you foresee this bubble working from your understanding? Do you think that you know the NBA will be able – do they have the, – and I have a lot of faith in Adam Silver. Let me say that up front. But I'm just concerned with the intricacies. There's too many things that can go wrong for me here, uh, hoping that it doesn't. But there's too many things I feel that can go wrong and, and derail this and blow this bubble up because it only takes one or two key players on a championship contender to just just turn the whole story around here. You know, it's this is this is the tough part because we still don't know what the far-reaching implications of the coronavirus are. You know, we don't know how this can affect somebody in year two after contracting the disease or year four. And from what we know about the coronavirus, it has its, its, most, its, its most terrible impacts on the lungs, on lung capacity, which is what players need to get up and down the court and to really just have those long careers. So I, I understand players who are, are hesitant about going into the Orlando bubble. You know, we've spoken, I've spoken to players, everyone in Brooklyn that I've spoken to that is opting in and, and is choosing to play. They've all said the same thing. Hey, we have the utmost faith in not just the NBA, but also in Disney. These are two powerhouse entities coming together to provide safety for these players. And I think they understand that, but there's still a little bit of skepticism among a lot of these players in that, you know, why is it that some Disney employees aren't required to be tested for coronavirus, but everybody else has to be, you know, there's a, like you said, there's a lot that can go wrong. Um, But, you know, I generally feel like this is going to turn out at least okay. I think we're going to see a full season or a full whatever's left of the season play out in Orlando. You know, guys are excited to be getting back and playing basketball. They haven't played in forever. They're trying to get back in shape. Uh, There seems to be some order uh, going on in Orlando. I'm not down there, but a lot of other people are. Um, And I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. I don't know. It's tough to call. If there's one or two coronavirus cases in there, just by the way we've seen this thing spread, it can get out of control quickly. Mm. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But if there are no, if there are little to no cases of the coronavirus in Orlando, I think we're going to see a fun season. A lot of people are talking about there should be an asterisk next to the season, but players are saying, hey, there should be an exclamation point after everything (laughs) we've had to go through uh, to get to this point. Uh, and I'm I'm starting to, if you would ask me a couple months ago, uh, would you put an asterisk, I would have said yes. But the fact that players are about to risk their lives and potentially their families' lives it, just to come back, play basketball, and use their platform to, to spread social awareness, I, I think it's valiant. I think it's amazing. And uh, as long as everyone stays healthy, I think we're going to see one of the best season finales that we've seen in a long time. Last question, Christian. How has this virus changed how you're able to cover the teams from access to, you know, just trying to speak to athletes and do your job. 
you know, I mean, forget covering teams. It's changed this life. You know, when this thing first started, uh, I, I couldn't give my mother a hug for almost three weeks. You know, we my, my mother's a little older. I, I, I just felt the fear. You know, I didn't know what was going on on my end. I didn't want to accidentally transmit anything to her and then put her life in jeopardy. We went so long without giving each other a hug. That first hug that we had was like, man, Ma, I miss you. Yes, I came from you. Yes, this is all it is. And now for it to have impacted the way that we work, you know, we've been doing Zoom calls uh, instead of actually having access to these guys in terms of practice facilities. We still don't know what actual, you know, press conferences and post-game availability is going to look like. Now there's more, you know, the, the, the actual experience of being in a scrum and jockeying for your position and talking over other people is now replaced with actual order where you have, you have to, like, raise your hand in a Zoom call to ask a question. It's, it's completely flipped journalism on its head. But at the same time, you know, it's forcing us to find different and unique ways to tell stories. Uh, it's going to it's going to separate a lot of the writers from one another. I'm kind of excited because, you know, I, I enjoy telling stories any way, shape or form. And even if I'm across the country, I'm still going to find them. Uh, and I think it's just giving reporters a different way to, to, to kind of figure out their own storytelling style. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, I hope it's not going to be something that lasts beyond this season because, come on, I, I, it's nothing like being in a crowded uh, NBA arena. I'll tell you one thing, just playing or watching Kyrie Irving play at Barclays Center is one of the most electric uh, things that you'll ever be a part of, especially when he's, when he's on. And uh, that's something I want to get back to. But, you know, in terms of this whole Zoom takeover, conference calls, virtual meetings and whatnot, it, it is what it is. I, I know other people who, who don't have the luxury. So a lot of people, other people have been furloughed, have lost their jobs. So I can't necessarily complain uh, about having a, a change in my job. But I, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. It's, it's going to challenge me uh, as a journalist and as a reporter. And uh, at this point, I guess we could all use a different challenge in our lives. So, yeah. No question about it. Hey, listen, um, his Twitter account, at Chris Splashed. You can read him in the Daily News. He does a tremendous job, and I'm a little biased because he's he's a fellow alum of my son of Benjamin Bandiker High School over there in Funk oh, City, Brooklyn. Uh, so, you. Christian, keep up the great work, and we'll be reading you, and thanks for a couple of minutes tonight. Thank you for having me. Anytime. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 